0: Hey everybody, it is your co host Jason Klom. Um, we have yet another <laughs> revisit of an old episode, but you know what? It's a great one. It's the second Paul Sims episode. Uh, schedules are insane. Uh, what's funny is we have two episodes ready, uh, but they're out of sequence. We don't want you to have to. You know, it'd be it'd be weird, Uh, especially since they're kind of fun, special episodes with a special guest Um, and that special guest actually should be coming back for two more episodes. So that'll be fun. Um, And we're actually recording uh, two of the next ones this weekend. So those are those are you're going to have new episodes starting next week. Uh, but I didn't want to let a week, let a week go by without something. Um, so here is this. The Paul Sims episode number two. And for a little like sideways news radio bits and pieces, I posted something on Facebook recently kind of asking people to confirm what I was almost 100% sure was the, the real thing. The real deal, as it were. Um, I had these old cassette tapes uh, that I borrowed from a, a social studies teacher uh, back in high school because she was super cool. Hi, Miss Cap. Um, she let me borrow her cassette tapes of TV themes and i listened to them a bunch i eventually um copied them myself and they're super fun a lot of them were recreations including a dragnet theme uh the the old dragnet theme pretty simple um, but it was very clean. A lot of these were very clean because of the old copies they probably would have had. Wouldn't have sounded great, but it was not as fun listening to recreated themes except for, and I, I feel like I remember thinking about this in high school, but it only really resonates now because nowhere is this on the internet. The person doing the, you know, the, the, the basic, the, the narration over this is clearly Phil Hartman. I've gotten nobody to confirm it. But it's obviously Phil Hartman. So I'm going to put that in here before the episode starts, because I think it's kind of fun that there's this one little piece of, of Phil Hartman out there that people aren't entirely exposed to. Uh, also, speaking of audio stuff that he's done, uh, he had an album that he recorded, a comedy album called Flat TV. I'm not 100% sure where you can find it, but you should check out Flat TV. It's a very, it's a very adult comedy album, but it, uh, he recorded it years and years before he hit it big, um, and it is since... Uh, come out there so uh that's something fun to look up uh so check that out check out this a uh, little bit from uh, a dragnet theme recreation and enjoy the second part of the paul sims interview
1: ladies and gentlemen the story you're about to see is true the names have been changed to protect the innocent
0: hi, Jason Klom here and a cat you might be able to hear purring in the background because she's sitting on my lap as I record this. This is part two of the Paul Sims interview. Uh, the only reason I mentioned that, you already know that from the title, but um, those who maybe just get it downloaded, maybe don't pay attention, just starts playing, but also it's just going to cut off. It's going to cut off at, at seem, what seemed like a logical place and not a place where I said, hey, let's take a break. Um, so just, just so you have a heads up, uh, that's, uh, that's why I just kind of, uh, you know, it, it ends on a on a and the end of a story uh, at a, at a good point. The cat just jumped off my lap. Jesus. Uh, anyway, so uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun. At one point, um, something comes up that is a, a very kind thing and I uh, uh, of Paul Sims to do. and uh, the only thing I will say because I don't want to give anything away is sweatshirt. I'll just say that. Um, so anyhow, uh enjoy this episode it's super fun there's one more to come uh, we are gonna continue to skip episodes it's uh, easier that way uh, in terms of uh, editing and getting people's stuff out um and uh, we should have an episode on time next week i make zero guarantees uh based on a scheduling thing that's happening but uh we should have a regular episode next week uh that's about it please enjoy this episode of dispatches from fort awesome <laughs> From the
3: PP break. From the
0: pee-pee break. All okay. right, hold it. Yeah, I'm
3: taking control of the podcast. Okay, today. Oh, it's time for the ceremonial presentation of. of you guys in probably bag. already you probably already have this already, and sure. I only had one size, but I got three of them. The official <gasps> oh, WNYS. Oh, what? No. This is the official cast oh, cool. and crew gift so the, from oh, 1990. So I get to no. cry. Thanks for oh thank you god. so much. Oh my now god. I get to oh cry on my own podcast. Oh my god. Yeah, put up a picture on the internet so people know. Yes. And, he, and cool. probably actually have Josh Lieb to thank for that because he was going through his storage oh. about a year ago and he found a few boxes of those. So and, awesome. and he's like, do you want these or should I throw them? Away? I'm like, I want them. And then they <laughs> sent them to my house. My wife is like, why do we have these boxes and boxes <laughs> and <a> sweatshirt? <laughs> mm-hmm. of sweatshirts? So those sweatshirts, uh, they're all large because that's the only size I had. Nice. And I can gain weight. I'm trying to think. (laughs) (laughs) Just stuff your shirt. I was always a little disappointed in those sweatshirts because I wanted them to look sort of college-like, and I felt like the logo was a little small. But whatever. That's literally a... So that's like a... What is that? A 20... Yeah, that's like a 20-year-old sweatshirt. I
0: thought you were going to say, that's like a $25 sweater. If Mike Reisner
3: can make a little money selling you, know, okay, <laughs> right, you know. so I'll just send you guys
2: a bill for them. <laughs> okay, that's, 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 This is very nice of you. Okay, I yeah, should yeah, point yeah. out, I, I have one of these uh, at my uh, alum of University of Minnesota, but they're actual stitching was also this small. So maybe I got a knockoff and I didn't yeah. know it. Oh. <laughs> know. Know <laughs> it, uh, but this is great. Thank you so much. So yeah.
3: You're <laughs> welcome. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife thanks you, too, for me getting some of
1: these,
0: <laughs> sh- these boxes <laughs> of sweatshirts out of that house. Jen had a question. What was yes. your question?
1: Oh, um, I wanted to know if you still play any video games.
3: Yes. Nonstop. I mean... Uh, Yes, I just finished um, Mario vs. Rabbids and before that I finished Mario Odyssey and had 950 power moons and before that Holy I played the new Legend awesome. of Zelda. Oh, I'm and jealous then I'm play I play. disappointed my son cuz I've been out in LA for about 2 weeks and I brought my Nintendo Switch with me and I played a game <gasps> called Tiny Metal which is a lot like the Advance Wars games you used to be able to play on the Game Boy. And uh <laughs> at home I have the Switch, I have the Xbox 1, I have the PlayStation 4. And I have my iPad, and uh, it's nothing changes, folks. Still, and now finally, my kids are old enough to be able to play. Also, yeah, that's pretty good. But I do remember when uh, I think it was when Grand Theft Auto Five came out. They were tiny; they were like two and three years old, and we'd be walking down the street, in New York, and you'd see a billboard for Grand Theft Auto, and my daughter would go, "Look, that's Daddy's game." Oh, <laughs> oh my daddy God. <laughs> and we play a lot of the Lego games, also.
0: Oh, those are fun as shit. Yeah.
1: I don't play really video fun. games, and but I play those kind of. Have funny moments and. How can too, you
3: know. like Lego and not play the Lego video games? I know I do. Those are the oh, only video oh, games yeah. I will play, and They're I really want to play w- Cuphead. You play I the really dimensions, play dimensions. Cuphead, <laughs> I've heard, is very. I mean, it looks hard. great, but mm-hmm. but I've heard it's really That's hard. That's what everybody says. Yeah. But the, the the Lego games. Now this is really a different podcast. Yeah. 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 The Lego games were best early on when the characters didn't talk at all. Oh, they talk now? Yeah, they yeah, now cuz now with now it's like Lego Marvel oh, Avengers or sure, whatever and they take sure. the dialogue from the movies and it was much more fun when they were just gesturing mm-hmm. and recreating scenes yeah. that you mm-hmm. knew without talking.
0: Okay. So yes, I still play video games. Speaking of Legos, D- one of a writer uh-huh. one of the Lego movies is going to do our podcast this podcast cuz he's such a big news radio. Oh. Uh, I'm going to be the asshole who forgets his whatever. name because he just wrote he he wrote he wrote one of the lego movies that's, oh, that's all i'll cool. say but i'll, I'll, well, I'll well, find I, his name right. as, as you're looking GTA. really
2: quick uh did <laughs> you played the new doom game that's my question if you yes, played yes, doom back, yes. back then yes
3: because we played so much doom uh <laughs> back then the new i i it was it was okay i mean yeah, look my memories of doom are so much tied in with having two tvs next to each other and two playstations linked and us playing um i even found Someday, maybe I'll send you guys some of this. I was recently digitizing all my own home video footage Mm because I had a home video camera since 1989 or so. And I found pictures from our great Doom, News Radio Doom (gasps) tournament. Oh my God. At the end of, I think it was season three or four it's it's so silly but it makes me so happy to watch it back of you know we had brackets and everything i'm watching two people play but all the other riders and the pas and everyone in my office all watching you know Mm -hmm. like intently and then someone scores and everyone's like oh
4: shit whatever (laughs)
3: um but that was fun who won do you remember uh that tournament i would i gotta assume it was lou morton because he always was the best but i do remember there was a there was a big uh, like a big final match it might have been the semifinals between me and brian kelly that got so oh i remember everything about it it got so uh uh it was so close and it got so tense at one point we both had to pause and i like took off my shirt because i was sweating too much and we both had to have a cigarette <laughs> and we're sort of pacing around like it was half time um Oh, my God. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, and I won that one. I remember with a double, double shotgun shot, which was insane because he had such better weapons than me at the time. Anyway, <laughs> but that's all in the past. <laughs> we need a Doom sense. podcast now. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: that's phenomenal. I, uh... All right, we've asked you your favorite. Well, no, you. We, I, I kind of like the, the path we were on earlier. Yeah, it was a the, good the, path. The, the, the ones where we were talking about our favorites, and then you just say, yeah, that was a great one, and then right. give us more information about it, because uh, there's tons. Okay, so we talked about the cane a little. Smoking Arcade, which Arcade, by the way, the, one of the reasons I love that so much is it like it's it's weirdly grounded, but also, in I think, in every story in it, there's this, a touch of almost supernatural. <laughs> it's like, this close to supernatural, <laughs> sure. but it's all just in their own fucking in heads. Arcade. Every yeah. time... Like,
1: arcade has the sandwiches, too. Too, yeah right? yeah is
0: sandwich oh episode. yeah that's mm-hmm. why it's my favorite and episode. the yeah. and the it's crushing
1: the like glimpse into bill's childhood yep as oh, they he... always are crushing, they're always yeah. crushing, they're <laughs> terrible I
3: love the sandwich thing <laughs> and i re- and, and it was it was uh Phil himself who during rehearsal came up with it when he goes uh did you dye your Did you dye your hair? And he goes, yes. And then Dave goes, all your hair? Yes! <laughs> that was... Phil came up with
0: that. So great. Yeah. You know, pe- people talking to the... You know, I will say in the commentary, they said, yeah, that was based on our real sandwich machine. Was it just a prop sandwich machine that was sitting there with real shit or an actual sandwich machine? I don't remember. Okay. I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, you're yeah, absolutely allowed. Right uh, now make something up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, um, Alan, what's your... Because we've talked about You know, it. I mean...
2: I mean, definitely Kane Arcade, but uh, just recently, because we revisited uh, Airport or whatever. Mm-hmm. Would, I just love the whole dynamic between Bill and Dave there. Mm-hmm. I refreshed my memory. There's, uh, they're they're stuck in the Midwest. Yes, I believe was it St. Louis, right? St.
1: Louis, yeah. They're snowed in. Yeah,
2: and and Bill can't help but being like an even bigger jerk than he normally yeah. is. It's because, I also. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm from Minnesota, so like the first thing I would get whenever I came out here, I'm from Minnesota. People go, Oh, Minnesota, you yeah. must be so nice. Yeah. So it was just funny to see that and then the Midwest guys just punch him in the end in the stomach. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. like now I remember that and
0: one. him faking kindness and it actually yeah. working and him yeah. forgetting. It, it's it's you kind couldn't so tell when TV. he was being
2: like condescending and then genuinely nice. Genuinely, genuinely yeah. nice. Yeah. That's the uh,
3: <laughs> another one people like that I like was the uh, one where uh, I don't even remember what else happened in the episode, but where Bill got, had the piano and was doing the <laughs> <laughs> yes. so amazing
1: that Yes, it was
3: so silly and funny, and it was also, it was something Joe Fury and I had joked about for years since working at Letterman, which is mm-hmm. always like when you want to do, have a character sing a song or do a song parody, some producer will come to you and go like that's going to be you know fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars to get the rights to that um so can you use public domain and you sit there and look at the list of songs that are in public domain and it's all like nursery rhymes mm-hmm. like row 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 your boat or <laughs> whatever and so joe and i just sort of leaned into that and decided if they're going to be dumb songs it will be the dumbest dumb songs
0: ever Oh, Bill Clinton, that was the one where, that's the
3: one where he goes uh joe wrote all those they were so funny that's great when johnny comes marching home again he's gay Got... <laughs> yeah, that's, so good. Um, that's all I've got so
0: far. <laughs> oh, there's so many of those. Oh, you know, somebody actually, I do remember this from Twitter. Somebody did ask uh, just are there any other, like, Letterman, the, in jokes that originated in Letterman that ended up in news radio that we might not know of? Because we know that that's one.
3: Um, big Day. Mm-hmm. I must have talked about that in the commentary. I think our, it's mentioned once. Our yeah. old friend Jerry Mulligan always talked about this crazy guy he saw. When he would walk from the Port Authority to Rockefeller Center, who would just be going "big day, big day," and never knew what it was about. And I, it was one of those jokes I sort of put in there, just hoping Jerry would watch it and go like "ha ha ha." They, you know, it started like it started as a way to amuse Jerry, and then I was like, I guess we should build a story around it. Uh-huh. So, uh, um, I'm trying to think if there was, any, I mean, there were there were things that weren't jokes, but. And like I said, you know, so, so many people make shows these days and, like, it's all based on my life and we dig into it and often it's kind of boring, but mm-hmm. we would use our own experiences and then heighten it or make it something more interesting. But I think there was a – there are two sort of overall aspects of the show that I would say were, were based on my previous life. One was sort of making the transition from being an employee to being the boss mm-hmm. because anyone who works anywhere – sits there going, like, this fucking boss of mine, like, you know, I could do this so much better. Mm-hmm. And then when you end up being put in the position of being the boss, you're like, oh, this is a nightmare. I would <laughs> rather just be the employee you can walk into. Just the idea of managing people, everyone, which is the beauty of life, everyone has their own things they want and their own agendas, but having to, to manage that and know who's in a bad mood today and who's jealous of who else and all that, that was sort of, when I go back to talking about the, like, empty white room theory of the show... That was a thing is it was a guy, just the relationship between between a guy trying to manage different personalities and, mm-hmm. and how difficult that is. There's that aspect. And I think in the original, the early, especially the early Dave and Lisa relationship stuff um, was was about two different uh, girlfriends I'd had who I'd met at work where we both worked at the same place and exploring all those explore this sounds like a network pitch now i want to explore no but 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 basing stories on those awkward things like you know trying to show up at work at different times so no one knows that you're together Mm -hmm. and when do you tell everyone you're together and who's that's that gonna upset um so i had a wealth of that stuff to to deal with and work out on the show and as as of course we must have talked about in the commentary is the dave and lisa not not doing the well, they won't, they mating dance, yeah. episode two, they sleep together, and then have to figure it out from then on, I think was just, felt realer and funnier, and also just, and Jimmy Rose was one of the people saying, you gotta do the mating dance, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, that was Cheers, they already did it, right? Yeah. you know, yeah. what's the opposite of that? that could For a be really long
1: time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Dude, yeah. Was I'm gonna guess that's not the first time that was done on a show, but it's the first time I remember, I mean, can you think of a show that tried that?
3: I dynamic. don't think there must have been some variations of two... I feel like even on Cheers, there must have been something about two people hooking up who weren't prepared to hook up.
0: I don't know. Sure. Mm. But, I mean, as yeah. the two main... You know what I mean? The, yeah, that the does two... completely tweak the dynamic immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I've always loved it because you've got five seasons of a show. Of course, ideally, it would have been more for all of us involved. Mm-hmm. involved yeah. <laughs> Us viewers at home. <laughs> but, the, but, the, there, but there's 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 so much to watching their relationship develop as much as anything else. Yeah. Even to her going on and having this insane marriage to the King of the Hobos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something about that even that season five is, you could just treat that as, as it, it's in its own universe in that that could be half in Dave's head that he imagines. <laughs> yeah. That there's no, even, I'm so little to her that he's just gone and she's just gone and married a King of yeah. the Hobos. Yeah. So I don't know. And again, that's complete conjecture, but I, I love the idea that that, that could be... Where it goes, and their their relationship is just as great as Dave's downfall is, which is one of my favorite parts of the show. Yeah, that is
2: really good. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, uh, you are mentioning season five that. uh that stress ball machine into him getting that machine that was one of my favorite yeah. things yeah. God, i forgot about that, that when great. him and jimmy were just sitting in the his office like going back and forth like, oh. was the <laughs> was
3: all the db cooper stuff was that season five season or did five, we start right? that early yep. people have been emailing me recently because there was some news story about they think they found the real db really right? again yeah again <laughs> um yeah
0: that was funny i didn't know that did you have another i'm sorry I feel like you had another question. No, I was just listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been like softly cradling myself. I mean, a, I, know. I, mean I do have a
1: couple, but I didn't want to interrupt s- the flow. No, anything. you're fine. What flow? Uh, yeah, right? Know, That's whatever. also a very good question. Uh so uh you know, as as a writer, do you have any um like favorite ways to torture characters or <laughs> or favorite characters to torture?
3: not really i mean i mean well maybe Mm. (laughs) it's it's that also goes back to my pretentious white room thing is it's just like character you character people in conflict is comedy that's the basis of all comedy and drama you know what i mean i mean
1: conflict makes things interesting yeah
3: and, and when you see something where there's no conflict and you go like this, nothing really seems to be happening here. That's that's when you know that there's been no. I mean, part. Of, you think about it. Uh, it it sort of naturally came up that uh, Bill would sort of torture Matthew. The part that I and I, I it just I don't know how I can't even say we came up with it. It just happened. The idea that Matthew nonetheless idolized Bill, I thought was really funny, and it's mm-hmm. nothing we set out to do. It was nothing in the original pitch. It was just. Something that just happened, you know. Um,
1: and then he kind of fell in love with him. Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. So good. We've,
2: uh, yeah. I was gonna say we we we've also like noticed like just going through each episode as thoroughly as we are like we really like that uh, Jimmy James has a soft spot for Beth for some reason yeah. like yeah father-daughter relationship, whatever it is. That also
3: might have... I think that 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 also, like, developed organically. But there's that episode early on... He's thinking about selling the station, Mm -hmm. and then she gives him the most important thing to her, which is something of very little actual value, but the Mm -hmm. fact that that made him feel... That that sort of was the inception of that, you know. Also, Jimmy James, that character originally... uh, was if if it was based on if the initial idea was based on anyone, it was based on my boss at spy magazine Graydon Carter, who later went on to run vanity Fair, who was who was larger than life and big and and loud and funny, but also just loved that he had this you know this business that he did and really loved that. I mean, ultimately the the when Stephen came in and did his audition. It was it was so opposite, or not opposite, but just different than how I imagined it. But it was so unique and funny because he, he it, in his audition. He played a little more of the sort of absent-minded and like he's got mm. fifteen things going on in his head, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, you're fired." But I got what is that over there? You know? <laughs> um, which which really Stephen really made that character what it was, and yeah. then and then that being
2: so funny, we figured out how to write you know towards that. So your your former boss never said stuff like. This is wild. No, you wild, you crazy. That was that was, that was Stephen.
0: You know that uh, that was actually going to be my next line of questioning. What I don't know how many surprises there were, but how of all the characters you wrote, like are are there other surprises people brought to it? Because I mean, you know, you think you know what you expect with Phil Hartman, yeah. and Dave Foley. Again, all the people you wrote shit for. Yeah. But I'm curious if there's stuff they brought to it that immediately changed your perception of the character.
3: Um, I think being a, being a guy writer, uh, uh, going into it, all I knew about, uh, Lisa was that she was really smart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, but at the same time having the consciousness of, I really don't want her character to be what the main woman is in most sitcoms or was at that time, which is the guy was like, come on, you guys, like mm-hmm. knock it off, you know, yeah. Look, time to buckle down. And as we, as, we got to know more riding towards this, this person who's so hard on so intellectually brilliant Mm -hmm. and, but so hard on themselves really made that character something I could identify with and kept her from being just, you know, the no nonsense, you know, woman. Um, I think, I think Joe Rogan, you know, who famously came in was the third Joe Mm -hmm, after mm -hmm. Ray Romano Mm -hmm. and then, the guy Greg from Lee. Greg Lee. He was on, he our, guys, first he was on our first <laughs> episode. Yeah, oh, was he? <laughs> yeah. Yep. He agreed. He's like, I don't give a. <laughs> shit. That's great. <laughs> yeah. um,
2: he was actually really good. Greg yeah. Lee was.
3: Uh, Joe just surprised me because I'd see I, I'd seen him on played a little part on a uh, sitcom about baseball players. Mm-hmm. Mm. You don't have the name of that one on Not off the top of my head. Might have uh-huh. even been called Hardball, and Jeff Martin from The Simpsons did it, but it was it only went a few episodes. But I remember him being really. But seeing. But Joe came in going like I'm a stand-up. Like I, I I've never really acted before. But mm-hmm. seeing him, like, take anything we threw at him and really grow as an actor was really fun. You yeah. Know? Um, and he and on set, I I don't know if people talk on set. Joe and Andy could not be more different type people. Joe was into even then mixed martial arts, bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. You know, Andy was... You could see it, if this were a high school, Mm. Joe would be the athlete, you know, bully, and Andy would be the nerdy art, you know, nerdy theater weirdo. But Joe just thought Andy was the funniest thing in the world, and they had such a funny... Like, Joe would just stay to watch Andy rehearse his scenes because he thought it was so funny. But then then, then it was like two children. Then sometimes, you know, Andy Mm. would be like, Joe said something mean to me. I'm like, he loves you. He didn't say anything mean to you. And, you know, there is always this fraught dynamic between the two of
1: us. It was them. like literally in one of those. Yeah, yeah. It
3: probably it <laughs> yeah. probably yeah. was.
0: Yeah, and it it's also like, plays. Hey out.
1: guys, you know this. What this looks like this is what this looks like.
0: <laughs> it also plays out in several commentaries. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh my god, that's well. I do like it, I, that. Is one thing that that comes up a few times again on the commentaries. But like, there weren't a lot of ladies who worked on the show. Yeah. But and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the rest of this for 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 Jen to ask. Hit but me. like I. I you know, I mean, I think Lisa's a great, a well-written female character, but I'm a dude. So, Jen, ask whatever you want to ask about it, because I feel like my question's going to be shit. <laughs> I, give it
1: I to mean, me, give first of me <laughs> all, I feel like Lisa's a pretty good female character. I, I feel like there'd probably be things added if there were, like, a female writer. That's like, probably working on her, too,
3: but... Yeah, I think that's know. probably true. Um, and we had so, I mean... We had some female writers and some other writers that didn't work out. Like, eh, now, now with my benefit of hindsight, I should have tried harder to find better female writers. But part of it, this is going to sound so weird <laughs> and lame. Part of it is the two best female writers I knew were women who I dated and we'd broken up. <laughs> um,. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they both gone on to have fantastic careers. Mm -hmm. But when I think back, like, the early 90s, like, who are the best female writers I know? They were ones that... So I don't know. Does that... Uh, Am I going to get Me Too'd now? No. No, no, no. no, no. um, No, But we should have tried harder to find it. But it was... I don't know. The the other thing is, I do remember one female writer, and this is uh, quite... I I did have a little bit of an argument with because she... she objected to something that Lisa Lisa's character did that was that was impulsive or not, whatever. And she said that doesn't that makes her a weak woman. It doesn't show her as a strong woman. And my point was, the bad female roles I see are when everyone's. Focusing too much on avoiding showing any flaws, because what makes a character funny—everybody's impulsive sometimes. Yeah, what makes a character funny is the flaws.
1: Yeah, if they're constantly impulsive, then you you don't. Yeah, you
3: don't want someone who's just
2: a tornado of of insanity.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, Was it when she threw Dave's shirt off herself to give it back to him? Was that maybe? It
0: might have been that.
3: Yeah, I think it was that.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, memories. yeah, cuz that did come up at one point. Did really? On? Yeah. On the commentary. I think so. is that what made it you might do have that? It might have been, I probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure. Can't take full credit. Uh, I want I, what other questions do you have Jen specifically about like the women characters on the show cuz otherwise I'm going to Well, do you know you guys did we
3: ta- I don't know if we talked about it in the commentary, but did, This is perfect. This mm-hmm. is a perfect example of mansplaining. He <laughs> mm-hmm. said, "What other characters do you have?" And I'm like, uh, "You be quiet." I'm gonna- <laughs> <laughs> that, that happened. But I will say that uh, you know there was another can. There was another Catherine before Catherine. Yes, mm-hmm. and she's
0: way in the background. in the Yes,
3: pilot. and uh, what we realized after shooting the pilot is that. To be to have the character that's in the booth and opposite Phil, you needed someone who was really a woman who was really strong, mm-hmm. who was in whatever way, whether it was uh, you know no no nonsense, but in her own way, like someone who could really come back at him because mm-hmm. Phil is, is such a force of you know excuse me of life and everything. Um, so, but you know, there's also a weird. Uh, I
1: don't know. <laughs> Did did you guys, Uh, like, find it hard to to find more ways to use Candy?
3: We did sometimes. I mean, Candy... Because she's
1: amazing, and it's just unfortunate that she... You know, we just didn't get to see her she, on the screen. I know, as and much. then and then
3: her best episode ever is the one that's her departure. Oh, yeah. you know I mean? good. Uh, <laughs> so, I think she's so brilliant. I though. think I might have had the realization that at that point, like God, if we'd written for her like this all the time, maybe there wouldn't have been a departure. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of it with Candy is that she is she's a, also a great dramatic actress. If mm-hmm. you've seen her on The Corner or any of those shows or any, anything that she's done since then, and she was never uh, yeah, as funny as she was. She herself never felt super comfortable with comedy. She, oh, she's you, you, so you know good I mean? at she, it. I know that. it's one of the. Sometimes you sometimes people don't see how good they are at it, you know. Um, but like I said, I thought she was. I thought she was great. The other thing, you know, the other thing I always sort of skim over and never talk about out loud, and this is almost like. I don't have anxiety dreams about this, but this was a constant source of anxiety we, to the whole time we were doing the show, is we have this big, which I wanted, a big ensemble cast, but I was always so conscious of, like, oh, we've got this great story with these two characters and this B story with these three characters, and someone's left out this week, and, ugh, I feel bad that that mm-hmm. that person only has three lines, and then you're trying to, you know... Come up with something so that they don't feel like I've worked on so many shows since then, like working on Girls, where they're like, "Oh yeah, Adam Driver's not going to be in this episode. We have nothing for him." And I'm like, oh, "I didn't realize you could do that." <laughs> I felt such a sense of like wanting everyone to have something to do in each episode uh-huh. that um, it was it, it it was weird. I I think I don't know. You look back at on Taxi, and sometimes you wouldn't see you know Louie or well, yeah, you always saw Louie. Yeah, you always saw Louie but.
2: Was there a relief when uh, one of the cast members was in a movie and couldn't be there that week? It was, a <laughs>
3: it was always a challenge. It was always
2: a challenge to.
3: Uh, a, b- b- one, I do like that solution we had—the one where it was the Jimmy James, the little uh, <laughs> so cool. uh, uh, talk, talk, talk box that they carried around, just because that was fun. And and also, the the network and people were always saying like, "You you, they work. For, you know, they work for you. We've paid for them." You don't have to let them go do a movie. And I was always like, this show is, as much as we love it, it's sort of middling along. I don't Mm -hmm. want to keep anyone from doing Mm -hmm. something else they have to do. And then we also ended up enjoying the sort of challenge of Mm -hmm. all right, the person's not going to be here. Instead of just pretending that character doesn't exist, how do we deal with the fact that they're away or we only have them for, you know, to do voiceover or -hmm. or whatever
0: it was? So that ended up being fun. Hey folks, it's Jason. This week, Dispatches from Fort Awesome is proudly sponsored by $300 Data Recovery. Uh, There's a very good reason they're our sponsor this week, and that's because there would be no episode this week without them, and we'd have started the entire show from scratch if we hadn't found out about their services, frankly. Data recovery stuff can be very expensive. Data recovery stuff can be uh, very tricky, Uh, but they made it very easy, and their prices are incredibly reasonable. Um, As you probably saw online a few weeks ago, my hard drive crashed. Uh, that was six terabytes, almost a million files, and they recovered everything for me. This was not an easy order either. I had four drives in one enclosure in a RAID setup, meaning you can't just plug in the drives and copy stuff over if the drives are healthy. Uh, They took my drives, examined them, determined whether or not they needed to open up my drives in their clean room, which they didn't, which uh, sped things up for me, and then they copied everything over to a very large USB drive that I have now. Um, their rates are reasonable, like I said, as little as $300 a drive, hence the name. And they don't just work locally, actually. You can send your drives into them. You just fill out their form on their website. So go to 300datarecovery.com. That's the number 300 then dollar datarecovery.com. Check them out, and once you do, back your stuff up again. Uh, that is literally what I'm doing as I'm recording this. Um, so uh, you know, I had a drive that was supposed to be foolproof, and it wasn't. And $300 Data Recovery helped me out. They saved 26-plus years of writing, art, photos, videos, everything, including this podcast and my other shows. So check them out, $300DataRecovery.com, and let them know that Jason from Dismatches from Ford Awesome sent you. Now, back to the show.
2: I have to ask this because it wasn't that episode. It was another one where Jimmy J's was on vacation. Uh where he said, you want to see a movie about a talking pig? Now, Hmm. was it Babe, Pig in the City, or was it Gordy? That's uh, (laughs) the... I have been having... I I think it's Gordy, but I don't know.
1: (laughs) We need to know. I
3: can't imagine that it was Gordy. I feel like it was Babe. (laughs) Uh, It had to be Babe, didn't it?
1: They were so cute. My hey, you <laughs> want to be, yeah. oh, I, I love this theory,
3: I got a good anecdote for you. Remember <laughs> the episode, I don't know when it, I don't know what the rest of the episode was about, but Jimmy is at home at his house with in his pool with his
0: dog. Yeah, right at the end. Uh, that that when, one's coming up. When Bill's or no, we cleaning just did it. Pool? Sorry. When Bill's cleaning the pool? I think so. And yeah. he okay. throws it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So that I must have mentioned <laughs> on the commentary. That was my house in Bel Air. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um,
0: I don't think I don't think Jimmy. that was mentioned. No. Maybe
3: it wasn't. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of a different one. Is there one where there's a yellow lab and yeah. he throws the ball? All yeah. right, oh, yeah. so that's, yeah, that's, so that's the one. So mm-hmm. that was my house. That was the house that I owned in Bel Air. Mm-hmm. And I sold that house. I went, moved back to New York in 2000. And I finally got around to selling that house in 2006. And you might know that house from last month. It was on the cover of the New York Times burning down. <laughs> Holy shit.
0: In oh, the big shit. fires Yay. last month. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Oh, it my. burned down. Wow. Do you believe it? That's insane. Me and
3: my old news radio buddies, Julie Bean and Sam Johnson, like, drove up there a few weeks ago. Because mm-hmm. we had so much of, you know, so much of news. The I wrote the pilot in that house. All of our big parties were in that house. My 30th birthday was in that house. A lot of the first season was sort of written in that house. Um you know, we, people we,
1: people mentioned that it burned down. They're like, and there's stuff that w- I can't even tell you that happened. That's funny. So it was
0: actually uh, occurring to me that Phil Hartman wears one of those at the end of, the, and I keep hoping maybe maybe, maybe that's the one he wore. There's there's only three or four of them out there. I'll could just, be, you. I'll could just, be you. Could be you. Could be you. Could, could you. be <laughs> you. Maybe <laughs> I'll just buy the rest of them. You know, they're too much. They're 125 dollars a piece. If you guys really. Buy them, you know. It's not oh, bad, not honestly. Not bad, not, no. not for a piece of... Yeah, screen, for a piece for of history. Your favorite TV show? Yeah. I mean, exactly. come on. Come on. I mean, okay, there's still Caroline in the City. I, think, <laughs> I actually do think she has Caroline in the City clothing, now that I say that. I think Is she any, does. Has anybody asked for that, though? I don't know. I know.
2: There's got to be... Look,
0: if there's,
3: people, if there's people looking for news radio shit, there's got to be someone looking for Caroline in the City <laughs> stuff, too. Come on, let's be honest. Probably. We love it, but not everyone does. So, <laughs> well,
0: they're wrong. I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> oh, you know, we have another fan theory. Yeah. That we're gonna ask you about. Yeah. That might be a was little out of left field. Was it one
1: of my? You theories? have
0: you have numerous, and I think this one was yours. The was Joe it? one. Joe. Is that yeah. one? that was yours originally? Well, yeah. oh, my Gordy one has been shattered. <laughs> I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pull up the fan art that relates to it. Why okay. don't you okay. express okay. this?
1: So, <laughs> how? And you can rate this however you like, or mm. explain it however you like, but. How homicidal is Joe's character?
4: Mm.
1: <sighs> because okay, he invents his own duct tape. He yeah. owns a white van. Yeah, <laughs> he has <laughs> severe on. rage issues over things <laughs> that are almost nothing at all.
3: Yes. So, like, how many people
1: <laughs> may he have killed? And never maybe be... what would be his favorite method? It definitely
3: comes from a difficult, violent family. Oh yeah, as mm-hmm. we recall from the battling Gorelli brothers. Uh-huh. The
0: time for talking uh-huh. is over. Uh-huh. <laughs>
3: Okay, it was so funny oh, from... Uh, great. From, Connor, uh, right? Yeah, welcome
0: back, Connor. So
3: good. Boys, the time for talking <laughs> is over.
1: And, and there's like a couple times where he offhandedly mentions something that happened outside of work and like what he did to the person <laughs> over that mm-hmm. tiny little nothing thing. And you're like,
3: mm-hmm.
1: how many people has he murdered?
3: I don't know. You know, a lot of a, a lot of... <laughs> I don't know if everyone does it this way or just we did it this way especially the first six episodes a lot of it was us just trying stuff sure you, mm. you know what I mean mm. like and especially even doing the pilot you know I'd, I'd written I'd had an idea of a guy who was uh, more of a blue-collar guy who was not part of the main group because he was the you mm. know the electrician or whatever at the station um, but beyond that, I didn't really have anything. And Jimmy Burroughs was always... There was some joke in the pilot, I'm sure we talked about in the commentary, where Joe's like, I got it down in my van. And Jimmy Burroughs was like, that's it. That's this guy's hook. That's He's got, got it in his van. His van. <laughs> yeah, okay. And we rode that for a while. And and then, as you know, we rode the your last name is a Gorelli joke for a while, even though so it, it was probably in twice as many episodes that, that ended <laughs> up getting cut in editing, but it always made us laugh.
1: Joe said that... You probably tried it in almost every yeah, single episode, not, and yeah, it yeah, only no, made no. it in like I think he's probably just three. the smallest amount of. The notes. other
3: joke we always tried was uh, that would just make, cracked us up so much was whenever there was a big everyone against Dave or something going like, you did this, you did this, you did this, and then some character you've never seen before, and you do that, and everyone going, who are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we've always Damn tried it. that one. There's even one episode where you can see, because we couldn't edit around it, a big group scene, and there's this one guy who looks very involved, and then the next shot, he's, he's gone. gone. Because we oh had my to, gosh, that's funny. cut it out. It's, Let me see this fan art.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so just as a heads up, this his name is Joe Galvan. He, oh, ga- I know. he gave us, you, maybe you've seen I, I saw it on... Oh yeah, it? I love that. It's one. amazing. He
3: did also the Dave Hardy Boys one. Yes. Yeah, Dave yeah.
0: Also, also based robot buddy. Robot buddy. also yeah. based off of Jen and Alan riffing. So yeah. he's he no, also... I love
3: those. I follow him on Twitter because I think he's I brilliant. saw it from
0: your guys yeah. thing. Well, he also gave I like to talk and his about how probably a
1: murderer. Yeah. Every time that well, you know something. Like, let's let's my ears. Let's delve
0: further it. into this. We never
3: <laughs> please. We never see him with a girlfriend, do we? No, no, no romantic entanglement.
0: No, yeah. Just he brother. claims to have gone out. No, he was not on a date. He was out with his friend, who happens to be, be flamboyantly, flamboyantly gay. gay. Yep. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he saw
2: the, the supermodels, but couldn't say more than two words. Yeah, that's right. Than... <laughs> you know, a lot of this, you know, people. This is gets back to my dislike of podcasts, <laughs> right? uh-huh. where people will talk
3: about I wanted to do this and that. A lot mm-hmm. of it is throwing shit against the wall and seeing sure. what works, and First a lot of, of it is. Once you've established the character that Phil Hartman is this larger-than-life, hates Matthew, going, all right, what if we have him do the opposite in this episode, Mm -hmm. where we see a real side of him, and Uh he's compassionate about something. With Joe, it's the same thing. Like, he's full of confidence. What if we see him at a weak point? And he's a a dummy. What if we see an episode where he's really smart? (laughs) It makes it sound really like just paint-by-numbers, but... It works, but that's right, you know, and it's also, it's also also like, let's not forget in this day of prestige television and ten episodes every year and a half, Uh we're doing twenty two or more a year, Mm -hmm. and as writers ourselves, you you get bored and you and you want to go like, let's have someone be the opposite of what they usually are and Mm -hmm. see what happens, or is. Many people, I'm sure, even in your podcast, have referred to it as the coconut drop from Gilligan's Island. Where it hasn't come up on the show. It hasn't come up. I think it was Josh Lieb who, or maybe Joe, who loves classic television, always pointed that out. Is like, yeah, as he likes the coconut drop. It hits him on the head. He becomes a different person for a while, (laughs) and then switches back to who he was before.
0: I mean, that's that's the limitation and also the joy of sitcom writing. It seems like you've just put these people in a prison. Yeah. And what are you going to do? At some point, you run out of like. I mean that way. It's not. It's. I was going to use the word groundbreaking about the show a few mi- minutes ago, and then that sounded like a real asshole thing to say. But like, there are. Oh yeah, things. that's ter-
2: a terrible
3: thing to but say. I the guy created the show. I, but I mean <laughs> it. But
0: I mean it. Dare you compliment yeah. this man. Well, because groundbreaking is an overused word. I was trying to think of a better word. Is what he I he doesn't mean. speak for me. It is groundbreaking. It, okay, okay yeah. thank you. Yeah, now <laughs> thank I'm you. the dick. I'm uh, the dick. Uh, I was, uh, I was uh, thinking earlier
1: uh, when you said like, what <laughs> if all these characters could just be in this like boring like blank white room, and I'm like, like what would the office be if you didn't like start where you did like i don't know like they made it super 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 gray everywhere yeah like just as a point
3: that's true the office is probably closer to my white room theory (laughs) than ours is because it's not even radio it's a paper company Mm -hmm. you know what Mm -hmm. i mean yeah um you were talking about the office the show yeah 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 um i didn't pick
0: up on that for a second oh really (laughs)
3: i'm an idiot (laughs) you guys gotta listen part of podcasting is you listen you don't just talk you listen i don't understand Uh um (laughs) Oh uh, man!
0: <laughs>
3: it's that's very nice to say Yikes. it's groundbreaking. There's a there is a vain part of myself that that thinks, uh, well, I'll be modestly humble. Go, oh, it wasn't ground. It was just a show. But what? But I do think at the time, no one since Taxi had done a show about the work about the workplace. You know, mm-hmm. and um, and it's so that, and that's really what interested me. And it really and I just really. Like I said, the main thing was it interested me, and it felt like it was about my life. But I also just felt like everyone watching TV goes to work every day. Yeah, you know, mm, and and there's got to be something in this that makes sense to people. Well, for me, and
1: also like lets off some steam for weird stuff that's happened to them. They're like, yeah, whoa, no way! Like something similar to what, like, yeah that happened to me with that weirdo at work, like never in a million years. That's extra funny to me.
3: Even if ours quickly turned like cartoonish, there are other times, like as the show progressed, it became more like a, Live action cartoon, which I was happy with. To me, that's what's groundbreaking about it, though.
0: The 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 implausible, impossible stuff that happens. Yeah, I mean, how many shows don't do that now? There are a ton of shows. I mean, Community wouldn't. I mean, Community also drew from like Space and some other really great shows that I happen to love. But like, I don't know if this was. But I do know that one of the guys coming on the show wrote for Community. So I mean, I mean, I I can't deny it. Has to be in the genes of TV now. Yeah, that there's there's that. There's just cartoonish, but also the surreality that was my favorite part. Yeah. Like I said, him dying his entire his shit ray. <laughs> yeah. at, when I first saw it, I thought where it was going... Was that that had actually happened? I yeah. didn't know the bit, and I'm like, because it made me think that the show has a different level that it's working <laughs> on. That it made me think that that might physically be possible in this universe. Yeah. And then it's like, no, the reality is he dyed his hair. That's also just the eating month-old
1: <laughs> <is, Yeah. the laughs> sandwiches and not dying. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Good <laughs> That's God. True. I, I don't never think left you, outdoors. <laughs> it's never established what that crunching
0: sound was. I feel like Spider Chambers is the guy to ask. I, he would know. Has he been on yet? No, he won't. Oh, he knows. There's there's some people who don't want to do the show without that other people. He so. Like, cool. yeah. some some people are like I'd rather have more people from the show on to together do together with yeah, them. yeah yeah exactly yeah. Some
1: people don't know if they have enough to say on their own or don't which uh,
0: they do themselves. they absolutely do yeah. but they don't realize they do
1: or various other reasons. S- Spider
3: like if Susan was employee zero, Spider was employee one because mm-hmm. he was a, like a PA on the pilot. Oh right yeah, mm-hmm. so he was around forever mm-hmm. and uh, and the beneficiary of one of the many news radio marriages. Spider oh, yeah. and Stephanie Block Chambers, who's mm-hmm. my assistant, they met on News Radio. Julie Bean, my best friend, and Sam Johnson, a writer, met on News Radio and are married. There's one other one. Who am I missing? Oh, one that ended in divorce, so I won't mm. talk about All it. Right. But it They're didn't. Right. It, it started as a marriage, so
2: that's yeah, fine. That counts. Yeah. <laughs> how how often do you see like a former staff or cast?
3: Um, the writers, a lot i mean i live in new york now and they live here but um uh but we text all the time especially uh, the ones i'm closest to are there's yeah well perfect my phone just buzzed and that's joe fury saying how's the interview (laughs) so i i text with joe and josh and lou and brian all the time julie being is my best friend she was the best man at my wedding and sam's one of my best friends i see them all the time I see more of the cast. I see more of the most often cause she lives in New York. Um, uh, so it, it, it is weird. It's one of those, it, we've all had lots of jobs since then, but we all, but there is some special bond from, from me torturing everyone and making them stay up all night <laughs> playing video games or whatever it is. It is like a second college. It's like my friends, like when I was, when I was, I got married nine years ago and, uh, and we are putting together the list of guests. I had, you know, these names. And my wife is like, "Who? who is, you know, who's uh, Chris Marcel? I've never met him. Like, I think he's one of my best friends. She's like, I have never met this person. I'm like, it doesn't matter. She will always be one of my best friends from being in that, you know, experience. Here's a funny wedding story. So when I was having my wedding... I was trying to get in contact with everyone to come. Stephen Root, I'm trying to remember who from the show came. Stephen Root came, Maura came, Joe uh, Rogan had something else to do. Andy Dick, I got in touch with, and he's like, Oh, that's so great. He's like, Can I get a plus two? I'm like, Andy, it's a wedding, it's not a nightclub. You know? Was, yeah, a plus, also a plus two. <laughs> oh, shit. So at the, at the, at the, sort of towards the end of the night at the wedding, Joe Fury says, Come here, there's something I want you to see. And he took me over to the table, you know, where you put all the name cards for people to pick up know what table they're at um, all empty everyone had shown up except one card andy dick <laughs> 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 i talked to a and he was like oh yeah i forgot that oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um uh, <laughs> but you know but uh it's interesting also i don't think there are any uh like working to get we had arguments and stuff but there's none of them that i that i'm you know don't speak with anymore or, or any of us that that you know don't like to see each other um I've probably run into, besides more, I've run into Stephen second most often. Mm -hmm. Just because he's always out and about and working. And because, as you know, we have the same birthday. Mm. Did not know that. Oh, okay. We're not stalkers. We're not stalkers, Paul.
2: (laughs) He said, um, I don't remember that on the commentary, was that yeah, right? Yeah, so I told you I wanted to break some news yeah, on this thing so you,
3: you need those bullet points, those clickable things that yeah. people will be like, I need to BuzzFeed Says, like,
1: find out one <laughs> weird fact, yeah,
3: that the Gordy Paul thing Sims was enough. Sims what is just, yeah? What do they, what do these two have in
2: common?
1: <laughs> More after the jump. Did you,
0: did you really genuinely not care for arcs? Like, I mean, some of them were the best stories, but did you not like writing them?
3: I didn't. Uh, I didn't because my favorite shows, I remember... My favorite shows, most of most, of, uh, most of them I saw in reruns, in mm-hmm. some sense. Oh, sure. And my favorite form of sitcom is a standalone episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know the characters, but the story starts and ends. And there's, you know... And I also felt like it, everyone was trying to imitate Cheers. And that... I just didn't want anyone to have the feeling like they missed something. I wanted people to be able to watch them out of order. Now, having said that, there were some arcs that were... More arc than I wanted to do, but m- much less than the network wanted. Like the mm-hmm. Dave Lisa relationship, both mm-hmm. the romantic relationship and who was going to be the boss. Mm-hmm. But that to me isn't even an arc as much as a sort of a theme. Sure. You know, you could come into any one of those episodes and know what was going on. I think on. so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and some of our arc stuff, like the, the I think the Lauren Graham Plan B was a good arc. That mm-hmm. was fun yeah. to have someone else come in and throw everything off kilter. I think the. Jimmy's nephew was not a great arc. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I can't remember Walt. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I mean that one was just that one felt like the network going like your ratings aren't good. What about you had a young handsome dude? In? Yeah, yeah. And us not having any idea what to do oh, with right. that, and also, and also, not also the, the 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 anxiety and chaos that that causes when you have a cast of whatever it is 7 or 8 regulars and mm-hmm. you're like everyone did. we're bringing in a new person they're like i you know yeah. uh, what about us right um well, yeah that's weird
2: it's it's if you actually did have an arc going like cuz i know injury that episode had to move to a different season, season. entirely right yeah it was shot like i don't think it would have been Able to be injury, shown, was right? Is that but, the
3: one where Bill says penis so much? I think so. Yeah, right? yeah. that's yeah. why we had to move. Yeah, <laughs> injury was based on, as you know, me hurting my hand when I worked at Larry Sanders, which is still I injured. <laughs> I loved the. I loved. Everything about the, the, that Bill storyline I loved. Mm-hmm. That he was saying, pe- which I guess I guess it was the 90s and it was a little more shocking. Think about it now. The, it, was, it was just the word penis. Come on. But then the fact that he was complaining about another broadcaster <laughs> mm-hmm. using the word penis, the, pay, <laughs> the payoff at the end that he was talking about, what was it, like a, a urethral problems or yeah, something that something was completely very, medical. Yeah, yeah. I remember having the phone call with Warren Littlefield, who's the president of the network at the time, and I was like, you know uh he was like it's an election year you know mm-hmm. they look at us more closely with the fcc i don't know it was weird. all silly it was huh. it, it's okay. so weird now to think that 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 was something that you would have a a battle over when it was mm-hmm. so mild you right. know right yeah um content wise but
4: whatever. Yeah. so
0: strange there there are rumors that there there was like a, lo- a much longer cut where was, he said it many many more times there it? were i mean the, were, okay. the,
3: the, that was one of those ongoing you know negotiations where they're like, "How many you t- times can we take that?" Which is hard because <laughs> the joke of the episode is how many times he's saying it. Right? You yeah. know, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. That that one was like a snake eating its own tail in the That's best fine. way. I laughed
0: like a child when yeah. you said it was hard. I apologize. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, you, man, that's, kind of, that's my kind of thing. I know. You hired guys from Beavis and Butthead just because <laughs> exactly. you like Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> exactly. One of whom is doing the show this weekend. <laughs> who? Chris Marcel. Oh, great. Yeah. So that's that'll good. be fun. That'll be a good yeah. Specifically because we're talking about Rocket Fuel. Oh, good. And then Excellent. we're having the guy who played the Rocket Fuel rep come on in the same episode. Wow. Who was... like... Who know? You know, like he's he's like sure, I guess. I mean, like <laughs> none of the actors remember that. I mean, obviously, why would you? You 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 just did thirty episodes yeah. of totally different shows every year, so it's fun to like get them to jog. One of the kids we interviewed him. One of the kids from Arcade who's like, "Oh, your mom's real hot." Yeah, he's a doctor now.
3: Really? Yeah. Oh, that makes me feel old. But, <laughs> but that's cool. Wow. Yes. So he's like in his. 30s now uh yeah he has know? to be
0: late late 20s early 30s yeah he wow. would have to be his early 30s you're right yeah did he have fond memories
3: of he did experience? he
0: enjoyed it. everybody has said yeah i love it like and they'll have specific memories of like one actor or like you huh. know you know it's usually what it is i'm every... just
3: happy he was a child actor and
0: and, and quit is a, and yeah. is a doctor now uh-huh. you know. <laughs> yeah it's nice
1: uh every every like extra that we've talked to so far like mentions that they felt so included even though they were only there for like a day or yeah. or a week or or whatever they That's they just true. have specific memories with certain people and just nobody nice. made them felt feel like an outsider.
3: No, I think it was also because the the and it's something I sort of st- picked up from Larry Sanders where the rehearsal process was very loose and everyone and everyone was encouraged. They would rehearse with the director while the writers and I were upstairs, mm-hmm. and we encouraged them, the directors, to like what did you run out of tape or is it the I'm siren I'm making sure we're good you? yeah we're um, <laughs> <you're> fine <laughs> encourage the actors to you know do the script but also think of jokes think of extra things you can do and then it was fun for us to go down to a run-through and see this new stuff we hadn't thought of oh, yeah I mean the hard part then of being the boss is going like that one worked that one maybe didn't work mm. but you make those decisions and then incorporate it into the script and I think that spirit of improvisation probably when those when guest actors came in they were like oh we're allowed to do this and and everyone was you know really great. really nice and it was fun was that unusual
0: for that cuz every that seems to be the thing everybody wants to know now oh how much you get to improv on set but i don't know in 95 was that a thing i feel like it was a
3: little un, it was a little unusual i mean it was it was interesting because and it is a good lesson i learned from larry sanders is in the rehearsal go, go wild and try mm. stuff and then let the writers watch it and figure out which of those things works and incorporate it into the script when you're doing and, but in Larry Sanders, there was some on camera, you know, improv also, but when you're doing it in front of an audience, you can't just go have improv the way people do in non-audience shows sure. because someone's just left going like, well, what, the what fuck yeah, What runs right. my line? <laughs> um, but I think it was a little unusual. I mean, now, now, especially with single camera shows and movies, there's so much, you can tell there's so much improv and, To me, even there are times when I feel like improv is starting to sound like, that single-camera improv stuff is starting to sound all alike. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah 100%. Like not as, yeah. It's not right. as surprising as it was as it
0: used to be. We can blame Christopher Guest for making us all think we could improvise. That is 100%. Yeah. I did tell yeah. Harry Shearer that when I interviewed him. I'm like, you know, really? you, guys are, you guys are the reason for this, right? You're to blame, but also thank you. Like, you know, a lot was of Was us... Harry
3: Shearer a fun interview, or was yes. he persnickety?
0: No, that's just it. I, I made sure to address that. I'm like, hey, you have a reputation. Let's talk about that and get that out of the way. And then he was fine. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I you just it. have to address that with yeah. people. That's why I kind of want to have Chevy Chase on that podcast. Just feel like <laughs> just to get the the everybody thinks you're an asshole thing out of the yeah. way and like maybe we'll have a conversation yeah. about it. You Speaking would. of Chevy Chase, I just want to th- say, <laughs> sorry, this is totally side but yeah. the the really great uh, I cannot remember the name of it, but the Netflix movie. Feudal and Stupid yeah, Gestures. I really enjoyed it. I did too. Uh, can we talk a little bit about Harvard Lampoon? Because sure. I never, I don't think I've had any, I've had Patrick Verone on. Yeah, oh, I love it. And that, he's yeah. a delight. And he's yeah. talked a bit about the Lampoon he's on my such other a podcast. Nice guy. But we never talked about it on here. Yeah. I don't know any enough about it. It's just, it's one of like, yes, okay, they worked for it. They're going to be a big, big person um, in TV. <laughs> Is always the assumption, but I don't well, know it's what the, the environment Well, it's
3: was. the organization that you can be a member of that will guarantee that every other comedy writer in Hollywood hates you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, no, it's fu- It's it's like a, it's a college thing. It's the nation's oldest humor magazine, quote unquote, founded mm-hmm. in 1876. To get on, you write three pieces, you turn them in. Uh, the staff comments writes comments. It used to be they write comments on the back of the pieces. If those are good enough, you make a cut. There's a little cocktail party where you meet everyone. Then you write three more pieces. Then there's another cut. Then there's another cocktail party. Then people vote on whether you know they're gonna. So it's, there's like a tryout process for mm-hmm. it. But there's something when I was working at Girls at one point, Lena Dunham, like everyone who wasn't on the Lampoon, is like, ah, eh, fucking Harvard Lampoon. You know, <laughs> where's if the Harvard Lampoon's so great, how come they had, haven't ever done anything like The Onion? Where's the great? You know, and, and someone else pointed out like. It's like it's like college theater, you know. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a place where people are interested in that all come together. The work they're actually doing there is probably not special because all they're uh-huh. trying to do is make each other laugh. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's interesting from that movie. There, are the, the 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 that movie just shows a little glimpse of it, which is fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's. I'll admit part of the fun of the lampoon, even at Harvard, is just. Making yourself be an asshole that everyone's gonna hate. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> why have black tie tuxedo dinners every other Thursday night, except mm. for people to go like, "You idiots, what are you doing?" And you can go like, ha. ha, ha. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah." yeah. Um, but lo- a lot of my, you know, th- that's my other group of friends who I see rarely but text with every day are my friends from the Lampoon, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and of course, on news radio, Josh Lee was came. From Josh, Brian, Lou. I think those are all the lampoon
0: ones it's one of those training grounds where I feel like all the stuff that you where you cut your teeth doesn't ever really see the light of day except recently that book that was like the best of the harvard lampoon oh, came out yeah yeah, and this, yeah well that's the reaction I got <laughs> from somebody that I'm like hey I read yeah. one of your things and they're like you didn't really like that did you yeah. <laughs> they're like nobody liked their own shit I'm still about. no I
3: think one of my pieces in that book was with the very first piece I wrote in my tryout I had to try out twice I didn't make it on the first time mm-hmm. but in my second tryout, I think it was called burger shed or something and mm-hmm. it was a piece I liked about a guy working at a burger it was almost like a beavis and butthead voice book for beavis and i don't remember whatever mm-hmm. i remember turning that in and 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 getting such a positive reaction from the current staff like this piece is the best and i was like i think it's good but i don't know what i yeah it's it's that frustration also of going like wow they love this i don't know what it's special about this and mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. how to do it again
0: yeah, yeah yeah um
3: but you know the the uh people talk about it because about as as a training ground or that's the ne- the first step um and definitely, a lot of people who were on The Lampoon have gone on to TV. But when you're there, you d- you're not really feeling like this is a hoop I got to jump through, and this will. It ends up working mm-hmm. out that you do meet people and get those connections. But while you're there, it's more about just making each other laugh, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but I think any probably any great any anything that turns up as a turning ground starts as a bunch of people sitting around trying to make each other laugh. Sure, you know, like The Onion or mm-hmm. or. Whatever, early Saturday Night Live, any of that.
0: I will say every story I've heard about the news radio writing setup because I'm frightened of the idea of a writers' room. Yeah, your setup sounded like the one that I would have done. Me, I could have dealt
3: with me too to this day. <laughs> I and that purely came from me. I don't think I'm good. I don't think I'm good in a writers' room. Writers' room, the 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 setup where it's like, okay, page two. Is it mm-hmm. you know anybody got it? I, I'm a I am a writer. I'm a self-conscious person. I'm not an act I'm not a performer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anytime I've ever had to do anything that's like acting, I am awful at it. And yeah. I am so self-conscious and in my own head. And I always felt like what I like about writers and writing is they're writing. I, th- there are good people that I've worked with who were stand-ups before who are much more comfortable in that context. But that's why when we did our rewriting, we never went, let's all sit in a room and grind it away because it all number one, for people like me, it makes us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Number two, some of the best writers aren't the most socially adapted at saying their jokes out loud and see what happens. And number three, it sort of homogenizes everything into one voice. And that—that that still, when I work on things, is often the way I. When, when it's my choice, that's often the way I work. Is all right. We got to rewrite this script. You take scenes one and two. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want you to do to them. You take two and three. And also, especially news radio, also always with the the implicit or explicit thing like you know make the rest make the rest of us laugh like i told you that that what this scene needs but also throw some surprises in there that will Uh Mm. that that will just amuse the rest of us and then i'll put them together and take my pass josh would technically be the one to assemble them all and then take a quick pass and then give it to me and then i would put on the baker boys CD and, and <laughs> scramble to do the next pass, and then Susan Leslie would walk in at seven thirty, going like, "Is it done yet? I need some time to format this and get it down to the." Stage. Every one of her stories well, was like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's well,
1: like super patient and cool about it, though. She's uh-huh. just like, "Yep, yeah, it did happen sometimes like that, and sometimes this is the time things would <laughs> happen." But I just did my best. She pretty and, happy yeah.
2: about it. Yeah. You know, I think,
3: <laughs> yeah, I think one of the 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 benefits. I I mean, the benefits for her was that often the writer's assistant, when you're working on another kind of show, is the one who has to sit there till midnight or one in the morning while everyone's rewriting together. With her, I was always like, at 6 p.m., I'm like, go home. We're not going to have anything Mm -hmm. for you to even look at until 7.30 in the morning. But, Mm. you know, come in and we'll have something, hopefully. Right. What do you got in there?
0: Oh, I got got some questions for you. Oh, good. All right, let's see. Some of them are... Uh, here's the thing with news radio fans we're all a bunch of smart asses who think we're the funniest dude yes. in the room and so this is this is me complimenting all of you people who wrote in because I we're all of a like mind like just tell him we want to know everything uh, let's see will he <laughs> I take, saw that one Will he take legal action against me if my account starts to turn a profit? Oh, Lou Morton asks, why were you a second tier doom player? were you scared <laughs> How, ah. dare he. Ah. <laughs> How
1: dare he? I told
3: you Lou was the best Doom player. Um, <laughs> second tier. That's so much. It, it, that's perfectly Lou, also, because it's so much more insulting than saying, "Why were you such a terrible Doom player?" Uh-huh. Second tier. is almost I've rated you I've yeah. thought
1: about this for quite I, some time, yeah. and this is what I've come yeah, to. You had what
3: it takes, but you were found wanting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. What
0: else? Uh, let's see. Oh. I like this one. This is another fan theory thing though, so you're gonna have to twist yeah. your brain. Was there ever any thought of making Max Lewis, the guy in the mental ward, and the jumper all the same character? That's his theory. <laughs> no, that
3: was the de- that was a definite let's hope no one notices. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah. because because uh, because cause Lovitz and Phil were such good friends mm-hmm. that, Which came first? The the guy in the mental ward?
0: Uh yeah. Yeah and, then Jumper Did not jump- long after.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just like hey man he's funny. I have I'll, I'll show this yeah. to you guys afterwards cuz it's not very funny for a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in the episode where where Bill gets in the argument with the Starbucks With the cop when he double parks outside of Starbucks and gets thrown into the mental ward, remember that? Mm -hmm. So that we shot that on the outdoor street at Paramount, and just last Wednesday night I was shooting something on that same street, Mm -hmm. and I have a picture of me, Phil, Lou Morton, Joe Fury, Spider. I think all of us, an old black and white picture that Drake Sather took of all of us sitting there, and I went and recreated the picture, but just with me. I love it on the exact
1: same. That's so good.
0: Uh, let's see. Uh... I love
1: that opening. It's just it's it has so many good elements of like a silent film. Yeah. And just like just,
3: that's what I loved about it's it's so it is that funny. you can. It, it, he seems so much more enraged when you can't really tell what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I was going through my old, digitizing those old videotapes, I found because often, uh, I like I had one of the only video cameras someone had, and they said well, we need. We need something to record Phil's something to do audio recording of Phil's voice while he's in the car. I don't know why, but they used my video camera, which I brought to set that day. Mm-hmm. And so it's the tape. It's about five minutes of Phil like waiting to start the shot and just joking around, going, this "Is Paul Sims? What the fuck does he have do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sitting here in a car while he gallivants about?" It was really great. <laughs> That's a delight. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast, is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Alan Rickard, Jason Klom, and Jen, who lives on the ether. Our theme song was composed and performed by Michael Warden. Have questions? Call and leave us a voicemail at 646-801-WNYX or email us at freakzilla at scopenet.com. Subscribe to Dispatches from Fort Awesome on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WNYX News Radio, or find everything in one place at WNYXNewsRadio.com. Thanks, Joe. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years.
2: Big day today, Dave.